All right, y'all, let's Not stand together. Let's get to 150. 150. And let's sing out good and strong this morning. He lives. He lives. Amen. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I think his voice of here. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. Sing it out loud with us here. You ready? I'm so glad I'm a part of the 
All right. Number 249. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus is the Savior I met. Oh, a tender, compassionate friend, He met the need of my heart. Shadows are spelling with joy, I am telling. He made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit, divine from above, into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love. Oh, what a standing in mind. And the transaction so quickly was made. When as a sinner and a king took of the offer of grace, he did proper. He saved me, oh, praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When as the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my life was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Now I the hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure. There is no mansion to And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believe riches eternal and blessings eternal from His precious hands I receive. Heaven came down and glory Everlasting arms, what a 
Hallelujah. I'm thankful that I got enough sense to know that I need to be in church on Sunday morning. Amen. I'm glad I didn't spend last night sitting on a bar stool somewhere. I just feel like singing this morning. Amen.
Paul could not get over the fact that he participated in Stephen's death. It destroyed him as a person to think that he actually participated in the death of Stephen. And you've got to understand something. Stephen was also a student of Gamaliel. Stephen, I guarantee you, Stephen and Paul were very much friends. They were very much associates. They had studied together, probably eaten together and fellowshiped together. But yet on that particular day, Paul thought, found his allegiance to the law to be greater than his allegiance to Stephen. And therefore, he held the coats while those Hellenistic Jews pounded Stephen with rocks. And I say Hellenistic. I mean, I'll probably get this cough over with. It's troubling me this morning. But, so if we find Paul, in, and I know you were here last week, and I know you remember what happened last week, but but we're just going to remember real quickly. Paul went in, he talked to uh, James and the other brethren, and and, uh, and they said, look here, Paul, we've already heard what's been going on up there in Asia. We've already heard that you've been telling people up there to forsake Moses. In other words, to walk away from the law, ignore the law, and you've been preaching against this temple, and you've been bringing Gentiles into the house of God, and 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 and, and you've been telling people not to get circumcised and not to walk after the Jewish customs. And what is it, Paul? What's the deal here? What's your problem? I mean, we've got all these people here. You see these thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews which believe, and they're zealous of the law. And like I told you last week, i got a problem with that. You can't be zealous of the law and believe that Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. There's a problem. There's a conundrum. That math don't add up. As, as George W. said, that's fuzzy math. That don't, that, don't, that don't figure right. That don't cipher, as they used to say in Arkansas. Amen? In Arkansas, they learned reading, writing, and cipher. Y'all know that? Amen. But anyway, hallelujah. So... Paul is, is trying to uh, he's trying to come in undercover. He's trying to find a way to get in amongst the most Jews that he can so that he can, in the right moment, stand up and speak and preach Jesus to them in hopes of them getting saved, even though God has told him, don't go to Jerusalem. And he sent other, he sent, he, well, God told him through all these different people. He told him everywhere he preached, all the way down from Ephesus, and he sent the four daughters. He let Philip's four daughters, uh, filled with the Spirit, begin to tell them, "Listen, you don't, you don't." Uh, we got some killing fish coming to the door there. But anyway, he, he I know him by the way. <laughs> it's all good. But uh, I lost my place. Give me just a second. But anyway, Paul wanted to tell them, "Oh, look, you, you need Christ." <laughs> that he began to preach to them that they needed Christ, he figured that they were going to turn on him and attack him and kill him, and that would be it. He would die a martyr's death, very much similar to Stephen's death, and I really believe that's what he wanted to do. I think Paul felt in his heart that would set the scales right. That would put things back the way it ought to be. I'll give my life gladly for the Jews. You already heard him say that he would wish himself accursed. Paul was literally saying, Look, I love the Jews so much, I want them to be saved so much 
that if I could take my salvation and give it to them and I could take their eternal punishment, I would go to hell gladly and burn forevermore for them if they could all be saved. And I don't have that kind of love for people, and you don't either. And and, and they no sense in us thinking for one second that we do. Uh, listen, I love people and I want them to get saved, but I'm not going to hell for you or nobody. Amen. I saw a preacher's wife come down a, come down an aisle one time and said that to her husband. I'm not going to hell for you or anybody. Amen. Listen to me. Let me just say that as a caveat. If you if you're if you're not if you're not willing to come and get saved because you're worried about what somebody's going to think if you do, don't go to hell for them. It ain't worth it. Amen. Don't let nothing stand in the way of you getting saved. All right, but let's get into the Bible this morning. So again, Paul was Paul was uh, he was uh, so he he snuck in. He, he he did what he did what James James told him. Said, listen, we got some other people that are taking a vow and they shaved their head. And once you be a good boy and shave your head and go in there with them, and and you know everybody will see what a good Jew you are. And no real man that you're looking at stronger than the thing. Code who's trying to get everybody to be like a Gentile. So that's that's the purpose. That that that's that's why he's going in. He's trying to and, and Paul thinks, you know what, but I'll get in there and then I'll preach to him. So that that's what was going on. That was his plan, but and I and we're gonna have to jump over here to see this. So in verse twenty seven, the Bible the Bible says that there were some Jews which were of Asia, which again were these guys. Up here. They knew him very well. And uh, some of them started hollering, help, 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 it's him, it's the man. It's the guy that teaches against the people. He teaches against the law. He teaches against this place. And he's bringing Greeks into the temple. This is the guy. This is him. Grab him, somebody. So they grabbed him, and uh, and they just they took him, and they, they picked him up, and they started rushing him out of the temple. And they took him out there, and they just choked him out of the road. He slammed the temple doors behind him, and then they went out there and just went to commence to whooping the tar out of him and was about to kill him. They were trying to kill him, and, and somebody told the Romans who were occupying Israel, they said, hey, there's a big old riot going on down there. They're like, 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 and they took him to their fort or their castle, and they brought him in. They were bringing him up on the stairs, and the people are still trying to get him. And Paul, and Paul says, hey, let me talk just for a second. Paul says, let me, let me talk. He, and, and, and the guy said, ain't you that Egyptian trying to cause trouble? He said, no, sir, I'm a Jew. I'm a, I'm a man from the city of Tarsus. He said, let me speak. And the Bible said in verse 40, and when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. Now, and when they were made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, we're going to stop right there, we're going to pray and ask God for his power, and then we're going to get into the message. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, this morning that we're gathered together in your house. Thank you for these that have gathered with us. Father, we're thankful for each one. Lord, we pray you'll speak to the heart of each one. And Lord God, we'll pray you'll speak through me this morning. The Holy Ghost of God, fill me. Use me, control me, work through me, work in the lives of people, Father God, I pray. Lord, that Jesus be honored, glorified, magnified, lifted up, and Lord, above all. Father, I just want to honor him this morning. Please, Lord, use me, I pray. Can, uh, can cleanse me of any sin that might stand in the way, Father. I want to be, I want to be a vessel, clean vessel of honor for you. Fill me up, pour me out for Jesus' glory, and I'll give you the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we get into chapter 22. We're going to cover all 30 verses. 
we got about 30 minutes. I think we can do it. Y'all just hang on. We'll get there. All right. Men and brethren, men, brethren, it's Paul's speech to them now. If we do it for a few minutes, y'all forgive me. I know you will. Hey, it's important stuff. It's the Bible. So, Men, brethren, and fathers. So he's speaking to all of them. He says, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. Now look at verse 2. And they heard, when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he saith. Now, I'm standing up here on the stairs, the elevated position. He's got Roman soldiers in front of him and behind him. And he's speaking to all the Jews that have flooded into the fort there. They just come packing in trying to get to him. But they halted. He's starting to speak Hebrew. They're Hebrews. They know the Hebrew language. Okay? So they pay close attention to him. The Romans, they speak Greek. They ain't got a clue what he's saying. Okay? Understand that. So the Romans, all they know is Paul is speaking in the Jews' language, and the Jews got quiet. That's all they can see. They came to try to keep civil order in the streets of Jerusalem. They could give two hoots about what went in the temple. Okay? They could care less what went on in the temple. They care about order in the street, and somebody caused disorder, and somebody's going to straighten this out. And that's why they brought Paul in, because they knew that things had gotten out of order, crazy wild out of order. So, Here's what he says, verse 3. I am verily or truthfully a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as all are this day. Okay? It's important that he mentions Gamaliel. Gamaliel is a very important figure in the book of Acts. I want you to turn back to Acts chapter 5 with me, and I want you to see this. Acts chapter 5, turn back there to verse 34, and we're going to read 34 through 39. Acts chapter 5, verse 34 through 39. Okay? This is way back in the early part. This is before the Apostle Paul ever come on the scene. This is when Peter and the others are preaching Jesus, all right? And they were brought in, and they were told not to preach in his name anymore. All right? And they and, and the Bible said, and they, they, and they had told them, listen, they said, uh, they had told them that, that Jesus was the Savior, that, that they had crucified him. Verse 30 said, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a tree. Verse 33 said, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart, took counsel to slay him, so they were ready to kill him. And then verse 34, they stood up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law. So he's a lawyer, and he was a, he was a lawyer. He was a lawyer of God's law, and he had him reputation among all the people. So everybody thought he was a good lawyer. He was a good guy, and they commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. Get them over when they came here as talking. Okay, thirty-five, and said unto them, said to the rest of the men there in the council of Sanhedrin. Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves. Pay attention what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Judas, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who were slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to none. After this man, 
rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. It won't amount to a hill of beans. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. Gamaliel was a pretty wise fellow, even though he wasn't a believer. He said, if this is just them with this idea and notion, give it a little while. They'll play out. It won't amount to nothing. It'll be over with. They'll be done. It'll fall apart on its own. But if this is God, and if this is real, and Jesus is the Christ, there is nothing you can do about it. Amen? And guess what? It'll, it'll go away, though. It'll go away if it's of man. You need to understand, while these are just a few chapters later, 30 years have passed since Gamaliel spoke these words. And so Paul is on the stairs now, and he's reminding them of Gamaliel. And guarantee you they remember what Gamaliel said. Amen? And he's reminding them, hey, it's 30 years later, and it ain't come to know. It's 30 years later, and we're still talking about Jesus. Amen? He's reminding I'm guarantee you they didn't like that. But what could they say? Amen? There wasn't a whole lot they could say. All right? Now, look. look and what is he saying? He said, he said, I... He said, I was brought up at his feet according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers. Man, I used to be I used to be right there with you. I used to be just like you. Amen. And he said, verse 4, and he said, and I persecuted this way. I persecuted believers. I persecuted Christians unto the death. Paul said, I was a murderer. By the way, so was Moses. So was David. Amen. We like to look, we, we get so righteous sometimes. As, as Brother David Shepherd said down there at that meeting, I said we look down our religious snouts at people. Amen. But truth of it is, ain't none of us worth nothing, and all of us need the grace of God. Amen. He said, "I, I persecuted this way under the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Well, he's an equal opportunity uh, harasser. Amen. He, he didn't let." Women stand in the way. He put them in cuffs and threw them in jail too. Amen. So he persecuted anybody he found who was standing up for Jesus too loud. He'd kill them. And he'd put the rest of them in jail. And, and, burnt. and, and so what was he saying? He said, listen, I was just like you guys. What's he doing? He's trying to get them lost. That's what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to get them to see they're just, I'm just as, I was just as guilty as you, and therefore you're just as guilty as me. He was trying his best to do that. And he said in verse 5, he said, And also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, all of these important men within within the, the, the Hebrew religion, every one of them that here in Jerusalem, they know all what I did. Listen, they, they, they gave me letters. He said, of whom I also received letters unto the brethren. I told them, said, listen, if y'all give me some orders, go kill these folks, I'll go kill them. They said, well, here's your orders. So they were complicit. They were in on this. They wanted me to kill these Christians. 
And he said, I received letters and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. So he said, they are just as guilty as I was. Amen. Again, he's trying to preach all of them their loss. I admire him for doing that. Amen. That's what we try to do when we share Christ with somebody. You've got to get somebody lost before they can get saved. Amen. If you don't know you need a Savior, you'll never want a Savior. All right. So let's keep looking here. So verse 6, he's already tried to preach them lost. Now he's going to give them the reason he's different. And it came to pass that as I made my journey, and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. Now, again, Paul was a Jew, right? Jews require a what? Sign, amen? So, therefore, the need for the great light was shown around him, so he knew God was moving. Amen? We don't require a sign, thank God. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know why, but I mean, Listen, I'm, I'm glad he didn't make us require signs, amen? I'm glad we got the word, and that's all we need, amen? All right, so this great light shone round about him, and he tells his conversion. He tells his testimony. Here, look at it. Let's read it. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Notice Saul's answer. And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? Kind of sound funny, don't it? If he knew it was the Lord, no, what is he saying? He's saying, I don't know who you are, but you are definitely the Lord. I don't know your name, but this light has blown up the whole world, and I can't see nothing but this light, and I hear a voice from heaven. It, I don't know his name, but it's got to be the Lord. And he said unto me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And, and I guarantee you, the inner man in Paul went <clears throat> when he heard those words. I guarantee you, the inner Paul drew up like a raisin when he heard that it was Jesus who he was persecuting. It was him. That's the Lord. Everything that Paul knew suddenly had a new meaning the moment he heard these words. And they that were with me saw a deep delight and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I, you know why? Because God wasn't speaking to them. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? That's a good question to ask the Lord once he starts speaking to you. Amen. Amen. Everybody in here ought to do that. If you haven't, if you haven't asked God that very important question, then you're missing out on the Christian life. Because if you don't know what God wants you to do, then how can you do it? Are you, are you expect God to just write it in the sky someday? You wake up, walk out, there it is. Oh, he wants me to do that. No. He gave you 66 books, amen, right here in the Word of God to give you his will. Don't make excuses. Read it and ask God that question. What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, get up. That's right, get up, amen, and go. That's, that's great advice for anybody. Get up and go. You can't do anything sitting down doing nothing. Get up and go, he said into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. See, God's got some things appointed he wants you to do, amen? It ain't all for you to figure out and make your own way. You're to follow God. And, and by the way, Paul wasn't doing that on this day. 
That's exactly why he's in the mess he's in, because he did not do the things that were appointed for him to do. Amen. And he said, when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. That light was so bright, it did something to his eyes. It caused scales to form on his eyes. His eyes, God put a protective coating or something on his eyes because of the brightness of that light. I believe also it was so that Paul wouldn't be distracted by everything else and he just had to sit and think about everything God had said to him. I believe that was another reason he did that. But the Bible said in one Ananias, verse 12, a devout man according to the law, so he was a good Jew, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. You know, there's a whole message on, on Ananias, on what it took for Ananias to get up and go down there because it was a murderer he was going to who was after him. Think about that. He came to kill him. And God sent him down there and said, go talk to him. That took faith right there. That took some serious faith, amen? We don't like to witness somebody because we don't know how they we don't like the way they look. Amen. God, that's the ones you need to witness to. The ones you don't like the way they look. Amen. Because they need to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> amen. Trust the Lord. All right. And he he said, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour, I looked upon him, so my eye, my eyesight came back. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know His will. By the way. God has chosen you that you should know his will. Amen? When he saves somebody, he doesn't save them for them to wonder for the rest of their life, wonder what God's will is. No, God saved you so you could know his will and do his will and, and please him and him honor and bless you. And you honor and bless him. That's the way God designed for it to take place. He, he, he said, Brother Saul, received thy sight the same hour. I looked upon him. He said, God, our Father, has chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one. Now, he's fixed to go down into the Arabian Desert, and he's going to spend three years down there with the Lord Jesus Christ and should hear the voice of his mouth. Christ spoke to him. That's why we call it the Apostle Paul, because Christ appeared to him. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. Amen. So are you. You're to be his witness to everybody of what you've seen and heard. And now why Terry say, what are you waiting for? That's a good question too, by the way. What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And somebody said, wait a minute, you, that's not the plan of salvation. You're right. For a Gentile believer, in this modern time we live in, that is not the plan of salvation for a Gentile believer. But for an unbelieving Jew who is accepting Christ as the Messiah, it is John the Baptist's baptism that he had, he gave way back then. When those Jews were accepting Jesus as the Lamb of God, they were baptized, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them. But in, since, since that time, everything has transitioned to the Gentiles. And since it is transitioned to the Gentiles, we, we believe, we trust Christ, and then we get the Holy Spirit of God, and then we're baptized as a picture of what happened. But when Paul got saved, Again, it was under a different economy. Things were transitioning, so don't get hung up on that. Amen. Acts 2.38, again, that's that same baptism for the Jews. Now, get to verse 17. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. Okay? So 
And he said, he said, and saw and saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. Now you go argue with God. Listen to Paul argue with God. So he said, he told him, he said, hurry up, get up, and get gone, because they're not going to hear what you say. And I said, the Lord, they know that I am prison and beat in every synagogue, them that believe on me. God, you forget about that, you know. They, they remember God. When they hear me talk about that, they'll go, oh, well, then we should get saved, because you used to do that, so we should get saved now. I mean, that was his thinking. It'll be all right once I... God, don't you know once I tell them this, the light bulb will come on and they'll understand? And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, God, I was also standing by. He's talking to God. And and consenting on this day of God, you know I was, I was guilty of murder. And I kept the arraignment of them to show him. I protected all of their fancy coats so nobody get them, nobody take their stuff, so that they were able to freely throw rocks and bash his head in. Let's read something. Let's, 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 let's read Galatians. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. Concerning what we read there in verse 18, I saw, I saw him saying to me, my case, get me quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive that testimony concerning me. Galatians chapter 2. Very quickly. We're going to read verses 1 through 14 quick. All right. Listen, he said, Then 14 years after I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrariwise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was to Peter, for that he wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Now let me stop there so you make sure you're getting this. So they they had some they had some brethren who had said, you know, listen, you gotta be circumcised. You gotta keep the law of Moses. They came down to check out what was going on with the Gentiles. And you remember Peter wouldn't even eat with the Gentiles when they showed up. He was he he uh, Peter had to chew Paul had to chew him out because he was acting like a he was acting like a Jew instead of uh, acting like one of them. He, he you're acting like you're in bondage instead of you've been set free by Christ. Why are you acting like you've got to go back?
Why are you teaching the Gentiles to try to be like the Jews? They're not Jews. And so all this was going on he's referring to. And he's, he's saying to them, listen, Titus said he wouldn't get circumcised. He said, I ain't going to do that to placate the Jews. I'm not doing that at all. And, and so you have, you have this, this issue, this bit of running issue. And again, it's so hard. Paul tried to take the, the, uh, the Gentiles and get rid of their idolatrous traditions, and they struggled to leave those idolatrous traditions behind. They kept going back to the things of their flesh that they were comfortable in. And you know what? You and I do it too. And if we ought to be ashamed of it and get right with God for the things that we allow traditionally in our lives that we know have no business there. But yet, it's so hard that pull of the flesh, Paul talked about it, that wrestling match between the flesh and the spirit. So when the Gentiles did it, they turned back to their temples and eating that meat and the things that sacrificed to idols. When the Jews did it, they turned back to trying to keep the law and all those things, regardless of whether it's keeping the law or sacrificing the idols. It's still something God said leave behind. Amen? God says walk away from that. You're under grace. You're no longer under bondage. Let me continue on here in chapter 2. Verse 9, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision of the Jews. And only they, only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. I was already doing that, he's saying. But when Peter came to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed, here it is, for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. And when I saw they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles? to live as do the Jews. So you had a mess there. You had them down there trying to visit these Gentile churches. Now, 
want you to picture this scene from a Roman Roman Amen. 
That's good right there. So Paul, he, he's not under Roman law anymore. So what does he do? He tries to appeal to the flesh. Hey, listen, I'm not under, I'm not, I'm, I'm not under Jewish law. I'm under, I'll, I'll be under Roman law. So listen, under Roman law, you can't scourge a man without a trial. I haven't been, I haven't been tried yet. How are you going to do this? He said. And he said, I'm uncondemned. So I ain't had a trial in the, in the, in the centurion. When he heard that, he went and told the chief captain, and he said, take heed what you do. You better pay attention to what you're doing here. He said, for this man's a Roman. He's got rights. Amen. Then the chief captain came, and he said unto him, tell me, are you a Roman? Are thou Roman? He said, yea. And the chief captain answered, with a great sum obtained I this freedom. In other words, the chief captain was once a slave, and it cost him a bunch of money to purchase his. And he had to buy his freedom. But Paul said, no, I was, I was born free. I've had this freedom. I've had these rights my whole life. Then straightway they departed from him that should have examined him. So they left. The guy with the cat of nine tails, he, he left out of there. And the chief captain also was afraid. Why? Because he done broke the law. After he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound it. It wasn't lawful for you to put a Roman in handcuffs. So they already they already broken the law twice in handling the Paul. And on the morrow, because he would have known the certainty whereof he was accused of the Jews because they didn't understand what had just taken place in front of them, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priest and all the council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. So next Sunday we're going to look at Paul before the Sanhedrin. <clears throat> Now you say, now what do we get out of this preacher? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Turn to John 15, 5, and we'll bring all this to a close. John 15, 5. In John chapter 15, in verse 5, Jesus makes this statement. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth much fruit. Now are you clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. God is giving us a picture of a vine Say a grapevine. I've got one right out by my house. Got a Concord grapevine growing, and last year it produced a whole bunch of grape clusters and and, and had, had grapes all over it. So. But it all comes down to that vine that's sticking in the ground. It's not the branches that are going over the trellis. Those branches, you know, every year they turn just as dead looking as can be. And I think to myself, well, it died this year, but sure enough, next spring, it starts putting out green leaves. It's not because of the branches. It's because of the vine. And Jesus has given us that, that example. He's saying, I'm the, I'm the vine, and my father's the gardener, the husbandman. He's the one that tends to all this. And he says, every branch in me, so I'm a branch, and you're a branch if you're a believer. And we are in the vine. We are connected to the vine, which is Jesus. And Jesus said, I tend, I, I tend to that, vine, that, that branch. 
He said, I'll, I'll purge it. I'll cut it back so it'll produce more. I'll, I'll, I'll make changes in your life, and you won't understand why when I'm doing them, but it'll help you to benefit and grow you better. And he says, and he said, you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. And he said, abide in me, and I in you, because a branch can't bear fruit by itself. Except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except it ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Paul had gone to them. He had a good plan. He went into them. He, he, he tried to preach them to us, to get them lost, tried to identify with them, said, look, I'm just like you. I murdered people. I went after these people. I was zealous of the law. I had all these things in me, but something happened to me, and Jesus appeared to me, and he saved my soul. Everything was going fine. Till he said he sent me to the Gentiles, and they said, kill him. It all comes back to this. Jesus said there in verse 5, for without me, you can do nothing. You can have a room full of, of, of good prospects. You, you, can have, you can have the right message. You can have the right delivery. You can have the perfect example. But if God said, go, go there, he's not going to send the invitation power. All the preaching you want to do in the wrong way. And, and, you know, if somebody asked that question, and I mentioned it last two weeks ago, is it possible to send the gospel to the wrong place? Yes. If God don't want to go in there, yes. When Paul went to Galatia, you remember when Paul went up to the church that, that second time, God didn't let him say nothing there. God told him to keep on going. He didn't understand. He got well over here. God told him, don't do it, don't do it. Until he went over to Macedonia. You remember that? Now he had no entry anywhere. And he didn't understand why. The door when God ain't in it, it ain't gonna work. The best effort you ever try to do, if God, if you haven't, if you haven't got God's power behind you, you're wasting your time. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? That we're all going the wrong place for the gospel? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, what can we take from this? Is this when God is trying to lead us in a direction, we're foolish to turn to the other.
and obey. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation. I want you to turn to 161 with me as we go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to, to deal with us this morning. And I don't know, I don't know what's going on in your life that this message might relate to, but you know, if we're not seeking God to do things His way, it doesn't matter what area of life it is. Thank you. 